Coyote Edelstein here, your celeb expert and your celeb savant. Celeb Savant is a weekly entertainment show. We have long-form career retrospective type interviews with celebrities, singers, actors, and industry experts. Kim Mazel is a foremost American singer and songwriter. She is regarded as one of the pioneers of Chicago house music and is widely known as the first lady of house music. Her music style combines R&B, soul, disco, and pop. Kim graduated from Columbia College in Chicago with a Bachelor of Arts degree. As an entrepreneur, she helped to shape and pioneer the house music genre. After graduating from Columbia, she co-founded a House to House Records, a boutique music entertainment label that released her first record as an artist. This record found its way to London via various DJs as part of the Chicago house music explosion. After the enormous success of her first single, Kim was signed to a major label deal with EMI and relocated to the UK in the early 90s. Kim has had a successful multi-decade career and has graced the stage and worked with such luminaries as Sir Mick Jagger, Shaka Khan, Baz Luhrmann, Grace Jones, Naomi Campbell, Frankie Knuckles, Pete Tong, OBE, Jazzy B, OBE and Soul to Soul, Messia Parker, David Guetta, Simon Cowell, Jocelyn Brown, and many more. Kim has appeared in countless television productions such as BBC One, Celebrity MasterChef, BBC Two, Celebrity Weakest Link, and many more. Kim also works as a paid consultant in the fields of education and public speaking at universities and secondary schools throughout the US and the UK. Kim has appeared on stage in several London West End theatre productions, including Thriller Live, I Can't Stop Loving You, The Music of Ray Charles, and Smokey Joe's Cafe. Up next on Celeb Savant, we've got Kim Mazel. Tell us, where do we find you in the world? How are you and what's happening in your life? Okay, um, in the world right now, this moment, I'm in the UK, London. It's it's an overcast day, but it looks like it's pretty mild um, today. I'm a, I'll be out in it in a little bit. Uh, what's going on in my life? I'm getting prepared to do the ADE mm-hmm. Festival in Amsterdam, which is the Amsterdam Dance uh, Music Event, which has been going on for a very long time. It's um, it's huge. It's massive. It's international. You have some of the world's biggest DJs, artists, producers, managers of the dance music, house music community there. And I'll be doing like a TED Talk Q&A panel. And I'm super excited because the last time I was there, I think it was that first ADE like 30 years ago nearly. So I'm I'm really excited to um, take all of my um, knowledge and stuff uh, to to a new generation and talk about how they got where they are off our shoulders and then talk to some of the new G- DJs or whatever, maybe work out a collab or yes. maybe speak yes. some more. Exactly. So and do some more. <laughs> Looking yeah, forward to you those. <laughs> yeah. I was speaking to Carrie Chandler. He was asking me um, that because I was in Ibiza at an event for, um, Black Coffee was DJing and Carrie Chandler was on the same uh, show. And uh, Carrie was like, Kim, I I love you. We need to do a record and blah, 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 blah. So I'm, I'm, I'm doing that and, and, and working on a festival for next year in Brazil as well called feeling F E L L capital N, which is going to be a great musical festival in uh, Brazil. 
And we all love Big Bill. So now let's rewind. So you've been in the industry a number of decades. So the Kim Mazel hybrid version or journey, at what age did you think, cool, I want to be in the music industry or the entertainment industry? And how did that progress to where we are currently? Um, I think from a kid, like about three or four years old, I was like, I'm going to be, I didn't know nothing about industry or any of that stuff. Mm-hmm. I just wanted to sing. Yeah, from then I wanted to to sing or do the things I saw the people on the Ed Sullivan show and all these different music shows that came on television in America back in the day. So, yeah, and I guess I would just keep learning music, but not being taught or trained by a particular teacher or anything like that. Just records, you know, the Motown records, the Atlantic label records, 45s I'm talking about, because since we're in 2023, there's a whole audience that don't even know about vinyl records and record players from in the 60s. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, like I, I never thought I'd be ancient, but for these <laughs> guys, although there is a resurgence yes. of vinyl yes. and I see these new record players coming out with a vinyl MP3 and a cassette, I see them on Timu and, 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 and Amazon yeah. and all of that stuff. So these kids are trying to get hip, you know, um, nothing new under the sun. But from when I was young, that, that was my teacher. Uh, 45 records or LPs, uh, whatever you want to call them. So I would listen and sing or mimic or along with records, which was actually teaching me the art of singing, which you don't always know. So I sang everything from Rita Franklin, Gladys Knight, Motown stuff to um, Janis Joplin, Led Zeppelin, uh, Alice Cooper, so anything that was playing on the radio, um, Helen Reddy, um, The Fifth Dimension, Ike and Tina Turner, it's just, yeah. just a amalgamation, Shirley Caesar, gospel records, opera records, Leontine Price, whatever came my way, I was sponge. I was a sponge. And then, of course, the Jackson Five, who were from Gary, Indiana, my hometown as well. And, so, and then how did that, what were the next steps in Kim Mazel's career? Well, I'm I'm doing this at eight years old and seven years old and all yeah. of that. So I guess the next steps would be growing up, yes. <laughs> growing to high school, yes. you know, just normal kid doing stuff, maybe in a play every now and then, yeah. maybe in a talent show or something like that um, every now and then. But just really focusing on trying to do music. So I get a scholarship to go study uh, music in Jefferson City, Missouri which I joined the band, learned to play the flute for a while, which I could have been the first uh, uh, black woman playing flute and singing and uh, like that other girl that does it. But but I stopped playing flute and I just concentrated more on singing in college. I, I met a guy. Um, what was his name? Greg. His name, his name is important. Bradshaw. He played the saxophone. And it turned out his mom was Marlena Shaw. Okay. The singer, who's an amazing singer, who made California Soul, which everybody knows that song, but she also made Go Away Little Boy. Doug was his name, Doug Bradshaw. So Doug and I had a little group in at uh, Lincoln University, and Lincoln University was an HSBC, whatever they call it, Black yeah. College. Historically, yeah. Black universities and yeah. colleges. Yeah. And um, so we we had an amazing choir director and all of these things were 
really low key teaching me how to perform in yeah. front of people mm -hmm. because by the time you get to university, uh, they just put you in front of the whole school, you know, in some place. And and back then, especially in America, they would boo or either applause. Okay. So, you know, and that was simple as that. So I would always thank God, get the applause. So <laughs> I was like, I was like, okay, must be doing something right. That and then I think I I spoke to to Doug's mom on the phone a couple of times, but I was just her 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 voice was amazing. So so from there I um went back home to Chicago area and went to all women's Catholic college because I, I I was um, I had my daughter I ended up having a, a a daughter, and so I went back home to America to England to uh to Gary Indiana. <laughs> I'm so international. I don't know where I am. <laughs> I went back there and I went to an all women's Catholic college uh, called Mundelein and I studied uh, voice pedagogy, which is like music for for education or mm -hmm. to become a teacher to teach music theory, something solid because I had a little girl yep. and my mom was like da 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 and I needed to still be in music. So and she came and moved in the dorm with me. So I studied opera. Um, there because it was part of the curriculum because uh, this was a more really formal school. It was an all women's Catholic college. So it was very, very, a little bit rigid, a little bit formal, yeah. but I learned music theory. I learned how to read notes. I learned how to read sheet music. I learned how to breathe properly from your diaphragm and all of this stuff. Um, I, I wish I would have took it a little bit more serious, but I got teased when I'd go back to Indiana, because it was just soulful people out there. And I'd go for auditions and start going, oh, and they'd laugh at me. So I, I I just like go like, oh, that's true, because I used to be singing, hey, da 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 And then I come back, oh. they're like, oh, my God, you know, what's going on? What are you doing? Yeah. And and then I kind of shied away from um from doing, you know, Laetine Price, yeah. Grace Brumbury and all of that, because I love them. They were like the first um, African-American women big time in opera, working with Pavarotti and all those type of people. And while I was at Mundelein in Chicago, I took uh, like a, a, an exchange student program mm -hmm. at Columbia. And Columbia College in Chicago was a music college. This is 1982. And they taught entertainment management. They taught entertainment law. They taught promoting concerts. They taught everything about music and everything. I was like, oh, my God, this is where I really need to be instead of, you know, Mundelein. Although I'm going to go back. Um, once I was at Mundelein and Columbia, because I had to go to the two of them for a while, I heard about this nightclub. I, I think it was the Music Box or something yeah. like that. And they used to do, like, all this kind of experimental music there. But the kids were, it was packed full of kids my age, you know, and younger, teenagers, early 20s, DJs, um, experimental DJs. Uh, that's what Frankie Knuckles was. This is where Ron Hardy started. And this is um, where the gay Black community sort of were together. And this is where people went to dance uh, troubles away or whatever. It, was, it wasn't It was about courting or anything. It was just about 
the good music with yeah. this and people dancing. And then I remember hearing some vocals. I was like, oh, these are horrible. This kind of music needs somebody to sing on it. <laughs> so I went I maybe talked to the DJ one night or some kind of things happened. It was, it was the beginning of house, yes. uh, you know, and unbeknownst to me. And me with my mouth, I'm studying, you know, opera and this and that on the north side of Chicago. Meanwhile, downtown, this whole resurgence is, is, is beginning to start or it's already started. It's mm. just not developed. So I got in right there at the beginning, just through doing interns through college and this and that started meeting people, started networking. And uh, Dwayne Powell introduced me to Marshall Jefferson. Mm. He invited me to sing backing vocals for a song for this girl he was working with. And I went and sang the backing vocals and it turned out her lead wasn't working the way he wanted it to. So they asked me to come and sing the lead on the song. And I ended up singing that song. It became my first record. And me and my partner, Dwayne and Donnie, since I was in Columbia learning all this stuff, we decided to put a record label together. We put that song on the record label, pressed about 2000 copies. And basically the, re- the rest is history because people picked up that record from New York, from uh, London. They'd come mm. to Chicago to these little gigs and, and buy this record and it ended up everywhere. So that was my calling card. That was my business card. Taste yes. My Love on Police Records, uh, House to House featuring Kim Mazzell. And I made up the name House to House because things were going house. And I was like, well, I'm going to get a record deal one day. So I don't want to be my name out there. Like that, as you know, say I'll be the featured artist. Yes. So let me think of something. So I thought, oh, house to house, and this was 1985. You know, it's all about chance interactions, being in the right place at the right time, meeting this person, and following that interaction and following through, and always like, oh, okay, I met, for example, you met Marshall. So let's chat. Let's see where this can go. You've been in the number, the industry, as you said, for a number of years, decades. What keeps you going on the stage? What do you love, still love about performing live and being on that stage? That's just exactly it. Performing live, connecting with the people, connecting with the audience. Yeah, they they, they used to call me the preacher. And they're like, you're, you'd be almost like preaching like a pastor when you when you do your singing. And I, I definitely took it as a, um, as a big compliment because mm-hmm. I think one of the ladies, Lynn Collins, who who sang Think with James Brown? They used to call her the uh, the pastor or whatever when she did her music. So I was like, oh, this is a good thing. Um, and I, it, yeah, it's connecting with with a live audience. It's like having live musicians on stage, backing singers that that I can interact with. You know, we might want to change a phrase or do this and that, or get the audience to do a sing song, sing along, yes. and all of that is can only be done with, you know, like live music. And, and you know, the mistakes back in the day, sometimes the mistakes would be beautiful mistakes or just part of the energy. You know, you'd have to worry about somebody with a selfie stick recording your, your whole concert and then, and then editing a bit out saying, oh, this person sounds terrible on that, which I think is very bad for music nowadays. But back in the day, you know, everybody just interacted, the live music, the live you know, camaraderie between yeah. the artist and the and the audience, and the audience being fed energy, and hopefully the audience bringing energy back to the uh, artist. Yes, I, I've had some audiences where I've been so drained, but most of the time, it's uh, it's a give and take. 
So you mentioned about the phone. So I'm that person that's always right in front. I'm dancing. I'm having a ball, uh, interacting with you guys. And I find the people around me have their cell phones out trying to get the perfect picture, videos, all sorts of things that are happening. So you've already mentioned that you don't really like that. But besides that point about them putting that sort of negative space out there, you do feel that it's not necessary for the cell phones to be out all the time, correct? Yeah, I, I, I do. I mean, I I get it and social media and people ego again people sometimes want to say that i was there you know oh look at me i was vip or Mm. i wore this so it's a lot of self-promotion of people and then also on the other side of it it's a bit intrusive and to the artist because sometimes i I, one artist his entire show was like on somebody's youtube channel and i remember seeing him later this was uh rashad patterson he's like i'm not performing unless you turn your phones off because number one I make my living like this. If you're giving my concert free on your Instagram page and on your this page, that is not fair uh, yeah. to me or to the next audience or to the promoters or clubs that I'm going to next. So until you take your put your, turn your phones off, I'm not going to continue, you know, with my concert because back in the day before all of this, you would have designated the record company would probably have a film company team yes. that would be filming it. It would be available later on a VHS or yes. a DVD mm. or on a TV special. And those were designated places where things could be edited properly or, you know, everybody would have an opportunity to see it. And that control uh, is gone because yes. of the lack. And now some artists, We'll have you, you have to give up your phone at the, at the gate. And I know someone's invented some type of pocket thing that the phone goes into Mm -hmm. and blah, blah, blah. And they sit and they sit there because we will have to do something about all of these uh, cameras interrupting or, or um, artists material going out premature. Say you want to test a new song with your audience. It's like, this is my audience, like my family. Can I test a new song with you guys before it's released? Well, none of that's happening anymore. Yeah. You know, so yeah, that's that's how I feel about it. I mean, I know there's a place for everything, but I think it's better when you have your own media team that yeah. will get those shots and things and where things can be still, you know, for the audiences mm-hmm. to see, but not like just out there anywhere, any kind of way. No. What's happening now with music? Are there new songs, new things in the works? I'm not really working on new music right now because okay. because um, as any other artist that's listening to this has had frustrations that have written 9, 10, 12, 15 albums that were never released, you get to a point where you're fed up. Like You're like, well, no, I have so many songs that need to be released. How about remixing some of those and releasing that? Because so, no one's ever heard them. Okay. So there's a lot of that material that is sitting there that can be remixed or whatever. Um, the music would have to be really quite special mm. or the collaboration is like, I've been trying to get back to South Africa to do some music with some people that I started like in 2003, 2004, something like that. The Kwaito music, which yes. I love because absolutely house. To me, when I first heard it, I said, oh, this is house music. Yeah. Really, this is South African house. So I'm looking to get back 
to South Africa, whatever promoter is out there listening to the First Lady of House Music. I see some of my other girls are out there um, performing, like Robin, like Cece, uh, Byron Stingley. So y'all need to call Kim as out. Because I've got a huge audience out there. Unless it was something special, like like a collab like that. Because a lot of these young kids are just regurgitating what we did in the 80s and 90s and early 2000s. And it's very electronic. I haven't really heard any new sound. Maybe voices, yes. But as far as like the sound of the music, no, maybe no. Because um, some of the electronic stuff reminds me of the circus. You know, it really does have that circusy sound, like you're, uh, you I know, know exactly really, what you're saying. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean. It sounds like a, I'm like like a, at a fairground attraction park or something. <laughs> like, what does it sound so circusy? But I, I think that's what they call an EDM or something. But I know a lot of uh, people like that, but they have to put a soulful voice over it to, to make it deliver. Which I, I, I don't know. The, the jury's still out on that, and I know it's a young generation that are, are kind of into electronic house or uh, you guys have a new um, artist over there. I really love his voice. Um, he just did a song with Martin Garrett. Oh, Loiso. Loiso. Loiso, yes. I interviewed him a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> yes. Sir. I I love his voice. He really, he's, he's good. And even outside of house, what he was doing before that, I, I I love his music. Yeah, he's got a um, really good voice and a really good sound and a good spirit. You can feel yeah. his energy. You know? So I really so yeah, that's him. I like his stuff. I love this game. I know if I had to ask you this question in two hours, two weeks, two minutes, I know your answer will be different every time. I recognize that and I understand that because there are millions of them. But if you had to push play to five songs by other artists. Once we finish this chat, what would those five songs be and by whom? Definitely a Shaka Khan song. And probably um what song Things have been long enough to know. Oh yeah, things right. I'm trying to think of the name of the song. Even a blind make it Walking in the Sun on okay. her first album. That one or Little Boy Blue. Um, let's see, something by Sly and the Family Stone. If you want me to stay, I'll be around today. If you want me to stay, something by this is my mind. Something uh I, I can't think of his name. He made Lovely Day. Bill Withers. Something by Bill Withers. Okay. Probably keep on using me until you use me up. So um a man we passed just try to steer me down. Uh, so something about Bill Withers, that's three. Shaka, Slider Film Stone, Bill Withers. Two more. Um, something by Aretha Franklin. And like you said, if you ask me again, it'd be probably five yeah. different more. I'm trying to come back into this era, but there's I nothing that fun. I really yeah, know. I'll say Mary J. Blige. Kim, the podcast is listened to throughout the world. So as a final message to the listening audience, what would you like to say? Keep the faith. Um, be kind, because you never know what anybody else is going through. People are going through a lot uh, right now in this generation and in this world. Mm. It's full of confusion. It's full of fake news, real news. Uh, So find out the truth, read, 
give your mom a hug <laughs> if you if you have, if your mom is still with you if you're blessed to still have your mom with you try to reconcile any beefs with your siblings try <laughs> it's not easy yeah. um <laughs> you know love your neighbor as yourself mm. you know i would say try and try to love yourself because, you know, if you don't love yourself and you love your neighbor as yourself, you ain't going to like them either. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and listen to good music. Mm. Dance. Mm. Dance it out. Whatever it is. Yeah. Joy. Be joyful. Listen to music and dance it out and, and hug yourself. Yeah.